to Sugar Coated. I'm your host, Adrian Garland, the CEO and founder of She Leads Media. For far too long, women have been conditioned to sugarcoat their words, their actions, and the way they show up in the world, and to conform to certain cultural norms and ideals. This is inherently designed to keep those who are outside of the norm from gaining power, prestige, wealth, and influence preventing more women from being recognized and respected as the powerful leaders that we truly are. Join me each week as we dive into raw conversations with remarkable, uncompromising, and inspirational women that will encourage you to strip away your sugar coating and move boldly in the direction of your magnificent dreams. Hi, everybody, and welcome to Sugar Coated. I'm your host, Adrienne Garland, and I am so excited today in this season of allergies to welcome my guest, Joyce Dales, to the podcast. She is a CEO and entrepreneur and founder of a company called Buzz Agogo, and she helps people to eradicate or eliminate allergies, colds, flu. And she's an inventor, which is so, so exciting to me. So we are going to have, as we always do, an open, honest, raw conversation with what it's like to be a woman entrepreneur. Welcome to the show, Joyce. Well, thank you for having me. I'm really excited to be here. I am so excited that you're here today, especially because my allergies are acting up a little bit. And I actually happen to have your product in my house because we are including your product in our gift bags for a retreat that we're doing in May that's called Unbreakable. And so all of the women that are going to be on the retreat with us are going to have the benefit of using your product. So we are so excited and so grateful uh, that you contributed this to our Unbreakable Retreat and to our gift bags. Well, I'm happy to be able to do it. I was excited for the opportunity because anytime I can reach other female entrepreneurs, I think that's a fantastic thing because women really understand the motivation behind my company and they're most often the ones that help hold my company up and support me. Oh, I love that. I mean, I, I think it's so important for women to support other women and, and sort of make those choices with our pocketbook and how we spend. Um, and I just, I wish that there was a way, even if, you know, it was on Amazon or whatever, that every single product or even service that was founded by a woman, started by a woman, co-founded, that there was some little, you know, button so that we could more easily make the choice because I think if given the choice, more women would purchase things from other women. Absolutely. I mean, we do have the women-owned logo, but you know what's funny is during COVID, you have to become certified as woman-owned, which is an arduous and lengthy and often yes. costly process, which yep. chaps my butt just a little bit. So, so, but you can self-certify that you are a woman-owned company. So that's what I did because during COVID, um, a lot of the processes are even slower than normal. And I didn't want to wait six months to a year to get my certification done. I I am in process, but it's going to take a while. So I went ahead and said, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and self-certify. I am a women-owned company. And I put the little logo on my product. 
I love that so much. And and I didn't recognize that you could self-certify like that because I too have tried to go through the process of certifying as a woman-owned small business. And I, I got up to a certain point and then I had I think I had to, you know, get some documents signed and validated and you know, life just kind of gets in the way and um I didn't do it. So my application expired and I have to go through everything again. They really shouldn't make it as hard as they do. I mean, you know, there's not much to being able to prove that you're a woman-owned business. Yeah, I don't understand why we have to go through this. I, I think that's insane. And and I, f- I found myself in the exact same position with during COVID, dur- certain parts of the process shut down completely. And I'd have to jump through even more hoops, which I am doing. But I really, I don't find it to be very fair or palatable or necessary. I think it's, it's almost like its own little racket. And I don't yep. care for that as a woman-owned company. I don't need more hoops to jump through. I know. I mean, you know, with everything that we have to go through as as entrepreneurs, as women, you know, whether it's not receiving the same type of uh, financing, not having the right credit scores in order to get loans. I mean, there's just so many hurdles. Um, and at the same time, with the whole great resignation and women leaving the corporate world, I do believe that entrepreneurship is the antidote uh, to a corporate career. And I think that if we paved the way and made it a little bit easier for women to start and scale businesses, that many, many more women would do so. It's just uh, disheartening to see women who have so much capability and yet they are made to, you know, become teachers, uh, just take over all the household duties. It's just, it's just simply not fair. I agree. I was, when I was a kid, I was told I was raised in a family in Maine where everyone was a teacher. So that made sense that as a female, I would become a teacher and that was my career until I became this person, the queen of boogers. So (laughs) I changed my mind. (laughs) Well, uh, you know what, Joyce, I think that that is such a perfect segue, our our little preamble here. Why don't you tell us a little bit about how you came to be the queen of boogers? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I figure most women don't have a problem with that. You know, it's funny, every time I go through um, any kind of business process or investment process, I find a lot of the men are deeply uncomfortable with that. But the women who are moms are like, yep, (laughs) we We get get it. it. (laughs) That was a problem that needed to be solved. Anyway, so I started my company, gosh, sort of unofficially almost 14 years ago, maybe almost 15, when we brought our first daughter was adopted from Vietnam and we were bringing her home. And she had just had emergency open heart surgery due to the legacy genetic issues that Agent Orange has caused for generations of children over there because they're still farming in the soil and you would have to scrape two feet of soil off of of huge swaths of Vietnam in order to remediate that. So it is changing the genetics of generations of kids. And my kid was one of those. And she had emergency open heart surgery in Vietnam and and her, her correction was perfect. Her heart was essentially backwards in some ways. So they fixed her teeny tiny little heart and off she came home to be with us. And when she got home, she was deemed immunocompromised. And I had that sort of feeling that we've all had for the last two years where every cough, every sniffle just struck fear into my heart. I couldn't go to you know the store with if someone coughed near me, I was running in the other direction. 
It was the second time someone I loved had been deemed immunocompromised because my father, who had passed away from cancer, was also during his chemotherapy immunocompromised. So I had a vague understanding of it. But with a new baby, the fear level was like on, <sighs> yeah, off the charts. Off the, guy the charts. Was, yeah. <sighs> so here I've been handed this beautiful, fragile one-year-old baby. I've brought her home. And now I am losing my mind trying to find a way to be safe. So I've always been an apotherapist all my life. I love all things B-related. I know like a socially unacceptable level of information about honey. (laughs) (laughs) I'll, I'll talk to strangers about honey. It's weird. So I've always been into that. And that at that time, um, I believe Zycam was the only nasal swab product that had ever come on the market. And it had been pulled from the market for hurting people's sense of smell. And I decided, A, why the nose? And B, why did that go wrong? And and what is this all about? So I started to dive into how we get sick and how to not get sick. And I learned everything I could about the nose. And I learned that it was its own biome. It needs to have the right biodiversity, that our gut is designed to trap and prevent, I mean, designed to restore and maintain our immune system, but our nose is designed to trap and prevent. So I learned what we've all learned in the last two years, that the nose is the hub of viral infection. And that's the starting point of how my product began. I began to like mix things up in my kitchen and insist that all my friends and family shove this up their nose and... That's how it started. So. <laughs> I, I love a I love a product where the MVBP is that you shove something up your nose. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was a hard sell at first because now everybody will do it. It's like I don't right. have that learning curve anymore. But at that time, that was a hard sell. Wow. Uh, I mean, just going back, first of all, I mean, it's just so incredible adoption stories and, and giving people a chance at a, a really wonderful life. So I just want to congratulate you on on doing that because it is such a beautiful thing. And I think that it's obviously not only benefits the child, but it also benefits the the family who's adopting the child. Um, and I just, I, I love that so much. So I just want to acknowledge well, and, and recognize what a beautiful thing that is for you. Yeah, it to feels like we've won the lottery. Like, I yeah. mean, it feels like with our two daughters, since the second daughter came home from China, I mean, it's like there's some sort of magic and adoption where you get these little people who are destined to be with you. There's this Chinese proverb about the red thread that it stretches and tangles and knots, but it always connects you to who you're supposed to be with. So oh that's God, that's that. how I look at it, you know? I love that. And and I guess maybe it extends into and and that's what you're supposed to do too because, you know, look, uh, you know, a challenge and something that was very scary actually turned into an incredible opportunity and a business and a way to sort of earn a living on your own terms. Mm -hmm. Yes. I had been a high school teacher before my daughter came home and there's nothing more motivating. You know, you and I were talking earlier about moms and women changing the shifting dynamics of the workplace and the great resignation. How many women have a remedy or a product or a recipe or something from their family or some knowledge they have to share with other families. The best products come from motivated women. Oh my God. Oh, you know what? That, whew, I, I feel like that really hit hit me. You know, the best products come from motivated women. That, that needs to be emblazoned on a t-shirt somewhere. 
<laughs> maybe, I'm going to make maybe. a pillow. I'm going to embroider yeah. that. On a pillow. <laughs> <Do it. laughs> yeah, embroider. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, I mean, I just, I think all of this is so exciting. And I often think that what we need to do, and one of the the missions of, of even this sugar-coated podcast is to really shine a light on women that are doing incredible things that maybe, you know, the media might not think of as incredible because sometimes, not sometimes, oftentimes the media portrays entrepreneurship as, you know, these tech startups with all this VC money behind it. And, and sort of that's the only way to be an entrepreneur. And I want to just, you know, get rid of that perception because truly entrepreneurship and the, and the thing that this country was, you know, built upon was was smaller businesses and finding solutions to problems for families, for communities. And, you know, I, I, so, I, so I really commend you for what you're doing and also giving the, the inspiration to other women to sort of, you know, look at what you have, where you are, because there probably is some opportunity there. Yeah. When you think of all the baby products that have come out just since my girls were infants, I look at those and I think that is a parent who had a problem to solve. And I wish I'd had that. I think we're going to see more and more of that with the great resignation. There's sort of this, uh, um, can do attitude where people are having to shift their mindset away from corporate America and away from big tech and all of that and get back into inventing and creating and becoming makers. Yes. Yes. I I love the idea of becoming a a maker and using, you know, your, your hands and your, your God-given skill set in order to create something of value. The, I think the issue or the challenge becomes, you know, how do you, I don't know if it's even so much scale because you, you want it to sort of maintain that, that homegrown appeal, but you know, how, how do businesses get created around things that are made by makers and how do those businesses, you know, grow to profitability and remain profitable with so much competition and technology and everything that's out there. Right. That's the big riddle. That's the hard, <laughs> I'm so, every day I'm trying to solve that problem. I think if you're just starting out with a new product or an idea or concept and you've created something, no one told me the rules back in the day. And my father, before he passed away, my dad was an amazing salesman. He was, we ran a country store in Maine, you know, with the pickle jar on the counter and salesmen would come in and sell local goods. And I, so I had a very old fashioned mindset and I feel like now post COVID, we should go right back to that, that maybe that mindset that I utilized just inadvertently, because it's all I knew is what we should all be using now, which is local Start local, walk into that store, plop your thing down and say, I would like to do business with you. Yeah, And that's how I grew. I went to the local country stores that were just like the one I grew up in. And I asked them, would you put this on your counter? Now, of course, I realize now that as an FDA compliant OTC pharmaceutical, that's not exactly how things are supposed to happen. <laughs> but, but ignorance well, was bliss. We live at the and we time. learn. <laughs> right. And it worked. It worked initially. So, and, and being an OTC pharmaceutical is really rare. I doubt anyone else listening out there has created something that has to go through those hoops. But that's what I did at the beginning. And I just walked into every baby store, every mom and pop general store, and they were the early adopters and the proof of concept for my product. 
Yeah, and what I love about that so much is that then the you know, the the people who live in the area, they go in, they use the product and they get great results. And then they spread that through word of mouth. And that's the way, you know, that's, you know, fundamentally what marketing is, right? It's like telling someone else about the results that you have gotten from the use of this product. I just, I love that so much. And I agree with you. And I think we have a trust issue. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, Um, go ahead. Yeah. I think we have a trust issue in corporate America right now. And so right now is a, I think a new golden age for creators and inventors and, and small products to go, like you said, go in and build trust locally and, and go viral in an old fashioned way on a local level and let it, let those people be the, um, the evangel- evangelists for your product and spread the word because there's a trust issue with corporate America right now. And people are looking for small local curated stuff. You know, I love that so much. It's, um, it, it's like the concept of influencers is not a bad one, right? Right. Right. And and the this local, this trust, that is, I think, what influencers, quote unquote, are supposed to be all about. However, it's gone awry. People are, you know, paid to be influencers. They they, mm-hmm. you know, make up things in, in order to just get more followers. And it's become it's it's gone out of control. And and so I think that's where there's the lack of trust. And it's like technology is is great in that it enables maybe some of these local makers to get into other local areas that they might not otherwise reach, except what happens is they don't have the marketing money and muscle in order to compete with these larger organizations. And so the, the you know, the ability of technology to spread things that are worth spreading gets dampened by bigger companies that have like these generic mass products that are oftentimes not even good for you. That's right. I mean, how do you compete with that? Because the the big companies just go right to the huge influencers and they're 100% relying upon the might of their dollar in pushing things through technology. So the only thing we can do as smaller entrepreneurs, as makers, is to do both. Like we're going to take the time to go to the, the local you know, go to the smaller influencers, go to the general store, you know, offer like I come to you and I say, here's my product. Would you share it with your entrepreneur and women who will understand my where I'm going with this and maybe support it? It's expensive. It's costly. It's it's it takes some time, but it's so worth it to be authentic and reach out to people on a human level because the corporations may you know, it may feel like this, you know, Goliath situation, but I think if we just keep working the streets, (laughs) that we (laughs) women entrepreneurs will succeed and reach the audience that we need to reach. I love that so much. And I, I love your enthusiasm and attitude around that too, because I agree with you. And, you know, it's one of the things that I even have struggled with in the course of launching my own business is that I very much don't rely on technology, although I do use social media and all the things. But, 
more fundamental is that I like to build relationships with people and yeah. build that trust and let them know that I either have something going on or I have a service to sell, but not pressuring them into anything at all. And it's been a struggle because as much as people like to connect and build relationships, they are very much influenced by these shiny objects, you know, here's the 10 steps, you know, for wild success, make 10 grand a month. And they pour Mm -hmm. all their money into those things. And then when those things aren't successful, they, they do develop this, you know, lack of trust of anybody else, because why should they then trust me that doesn't have the 10 point system? Right. But that's not the stuff that works. The stuff that works is what you're talking about. It's the going out, talking to people, seeing what people need, modifying based on feedback that you're getting from actual customers. And I I think that that has sort of been lost in the whole starting up, you know, the startup ecosystem. I agree. You're 100% million percent correct. That's been lost. It's this awful riddle that I'm sure we all feel you know, behind the eight ball every single week about how do I move the dial? How do I bring people to my service? How do I prove my value and, and worth of my product or my service? And it's this riddle, it's this goalpost that keeps moving. And so I always try to go back to keeping it simple and what's worked the longest. And that's just human, like you said, human interaction. Well, you are in what, 12,000 retailers nationwide? Yes. So that's a yes. lot of uh, <laughs> foot, foot traffic and, and, and mileage and connections and relationship building. How did you go from, you know, starting in, I, I assume, your, you know, your home, your kitchen to that whole uh, process of the FTC? I'm sorry, FTC, listen to me, <laughs> the <laughs> FDA, yeah. and then into 12,000 retailers. Well, I think if somebody had told me 15 years ago that what an FDA compliant OTC pharmaceutical means, I would have bailed and run away screaming out of fear because it was intense. Like we were at Pawtuckaway Lake in little Nottingham, New Hampshire, and I got a phone call from the FDA that they were coming and sending agents to the house for three days to go through our compliance. Lucky for me, I am in fact married to an attorney, a recovering attorney. He's a software developer (laughs) now. And all our duckies were beautifully in a row because he understood all that process. But I can't imagine if that had happened to me on my own as a small entrepreneur. The FDA uh, agents told me they'd had to have special meetings about me because usually smaller companies like mine are doing like a salsa or, you know, it's a, a beverage company or some, some sort of food product or a bomb or a salve. But I was you know, making claims and having, it's a medical product. So they had to have special meetings with how to deal with me. And thank goodness those agents were kind and walked us through everything. And it was, it was a fantastic experience in the end. But I think if I'd known how hard this process was going to be, I would have run away in terror, but I'm glad I didn't know because I started out with my father's work ethic of just ask. It can't hurt to ask. And I would walk into every health food store, everywhere I could just say, Hey, would you be willing to try this? And nine out of 10 times they said yes, because it made sense to them. It was a new and innovative concept to not just fight pathogens where they colonize, but enhance your nasal immune function and and give your nose the biodiversity it needs to be function at its best level to trap and prevent. So it all made sense. And people were picking up the product here and there. And then 
listening to my father's voice in my head. One spring, the Red Sox, it was on the news that the Red Sox had a cold, the whole team. Oh. Oh. So I was like, wow, that's interesting. I have a solution for that. Yeah. I'm so, I, it's the same attitude I, I had at beginning my product. Like, don't tell me there's no cure for the common cold. I do not accept that information. So I yeah. hear the Red Sox have a cold. And I'm like, I am going to send this to Fenway. So I went down the roster and I found this one man's name. He was a massage therapist this older Samoan gentleman that had come to the team through Kurt Schilling back in 2003. And he was into alternative medicine. So I sent the product to Fenway in his name. Um, Never hear anything about it. Six weeks later, I get this email at 1am saying, Hey, can you please bring a bunch of this to Fenway? All the families are sick. We're traveling tomorrow. Can you bring it tomorrow? So it was Father's Day. I loaded my husband up and said, this is your Father's Day gift. You get to go to, <laughs> go to Fenway and deliver this to this gentleman. And he had the time of his life. Well, that started a, a relationship with the Red Sox where they, I would just donate product every three months, all through spring training, through the regular season. Well, apparently, a CVS executive, who are the top corporate sponsors of Fenway and JetBlue Park, somebody gave them some. Because I got a phone call from a local broker or a local executive saying, hey, we want to do a honeybee end cap. Would you be the focal point of that as a local New England test? Okay. I was like, yes, sir, I will. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you Let so me much. Think about that. <laughs> <laughs> so I did it. And I had no idea what I was doing. Um, we had to go through the New Hampshire SBDC because when you're in the weeds as a small entrepreneur, I ran straight to my SBDC. And if it wasn't for them... I wouldn't have survived that growth process. So we wound up, I guess the short of that story is we wound up in CVS and then it just grew and grew and grew. And that's amazing. Yeah, that's it. That's how it happened. So there was a certain degree of just dumb luck into my story, but it also comes from can't hurt to ask. Yeah, no, I love that. And and gosh, there's so much there to like lessons, right? Listening to yourself, not being afraid and doing it anyway, you know, maybe not knowing and learning as you go and as you grow and then really taking a, a risk and not focusing on the outcome. You sent this, you know, you sent your product to somebody who you thought might be able to benefit from it, but you didn't say, I'm going to send it to to him because he's going to get me into CVS ultimately. You had no idea that that was even going to transpire. Exactly. I had that attitude of, because you lose faith all the time in your product. I mean, that's just the honest truth. It's like any relationship or marriage where you're just like, you have a week where you're like, what and what, it, you know, what, what is going on in life? What have I done? <laughs> you know, it happens with children. You have a moment. Yes, Let's yes. be honest. We're like, yes. okay, what have I done? <laughs> and, but I had to stick with that attitude of someone said to me once, if, if, when it comes to like fishing, if you have, if your bait is worth biting, the fish will find you. So just have faith. Mm, gosh. Yeah. So that's, I think that's one of the most difficult things. It's, it's sort of like the fear in entrepreneurship is something that is very, very difficult to overcome or, or to work through. And then just, you know, the uncertainty around, well, what's next? That is, gosh, it's, it's some of these things that when you look back and you say, why did I ever become an entrepreneur in the first place? But I don't know. There's also so much gratification. And and the fact that the fact is that you are helping people. 
Mm-hmm. Right? You're not I just like selling so. something. You, you, and there's nothing wrong with selling something beautiful. I love beautiful things. You know, it, it brings joy to my life. But you are are literally helping people. And I, I just think that that, that is a, an incredibly wonderful thing to to wrap up into entrepreneurship. Thank you. I like to think so too, because I, I know how scared I was. What if, I mean, it's not, I can't claim to have cured anything, but what if I help moms and women and anyone who's afraid feel like a little more protected, a little more in control of, of what's going on? It gives them one more tool in, you know, their in the weapon in their arsenal of wellness to make them feel a little less afraid because the world right now is the way that things are going. We are being bombarded with fear constantly. Yeah. And that's how I felt with a new baby who had just had open heart surgery. Yeah. I was in that space in the COVID mindset space 15 years ago. Yeah. And so I hope it helps people feel empowered. And you know what you just said about the fear of entrepreneur, about the failure and the fear of whether or not you're making right choices as an entrepreneur. I think women in particular, how many nights did I put the babies to bed and then work my butt off because I was scared that I was taking away time during the day when I should be paying attention to those babies. So I'd adjust my day accordingly. Or how many times did we go to do a run and I had to get a loan for my first big run. And I thought, am I taking funds out of my children's college education? Like, is my idea worth this risk? And I don't believe, and I shouldn't say this, I don't know if it's true because I'm not a man and I don't, I'm not in their head. But as a female entrepreneur, I can assert that I had a lot of conflicting feelings and guilt about that topic. Yeah. Gosh, you know, I, one of the things that I love so much about doing this podcast and, and you know, hopefully even just the name of it, you know, sugar-coated and that we are talking about things and not sugar-coating them is that these type of insights come through. And I think that these conversations need to happen much more often because like I said, you see in the media, all of these shiny, you know, people and products and services, and they might talk about a little bit of how their journey was difficult, but it doesn't get into the real fundamental human emotions and roller coaster that we are constantly on. And and this pressure, I mean, my goodness, you have, you know, newborn, you know, or whatever, new to you mm-hmm. <laughs> babies <Yeah. laughs> that are, are compromised with their health that you need to put 100% of your attention on, no guilt allowed. And yet, what has society done to us that we are even feeling guilty for one nanosecond? I mean, it's, it's ridiculous. And in a way, it speaks to how driven you are, you know, that you, you said, well, let me, you know, continue to do this. But at the same time, I think that there's just way too much pressure on women to, to do everything. We can. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The kin keeping alone. That's 90% oh. of my day. When I learned the phrase kin keeping, I learned two phrases that revolutionized my attitude about marriage. And I have a very supportive partner. Um, <laughs> but kin keeping... Yeah is a burden yes. that your in-laws and your extended family may put upon you. And also weaponized incompetence. The more capable Ooh. you become, the less capable the people around you become. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh, I've never even heard of that. Oh, say that what? again. Weaponized. Oh, it's going to liberate you. It's going to liberate <laughs> yes. you. Ready? Okay. 
weaponized incompetence. It's when, it, whether you're the head honcho in your office, whether you're the, the classroom mom helper, and your kids do this to you, everyone will do this to you. As a woman, the more competent you become, the less competent the people around you will behave and it will become a very unhealthy dynamic where they weaponize their incompetence because mommy will take care of it. Well, guess what? I'm living that reality right here, right now. <laughs> yep. <laughs> it's, it's insanity. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I mean, I have two uh, older children. They're, they're, you know, 21 and 18 and they're, you know, fully healthy, capable men. <laughs> basically. Yep. <laughs> and the level of things, and, and my husband included, who I can, I'm right there with you. He is, you know, so supportive of, of me and, he, you know, my best friend and just thinks the world of me. So it, it's all good. You know, there's like yeah. the, the, the love and the support and the friendship. It's all there. But the incompetence. It's yep. like those two things run, uh, I think, parallel. <laughs> the love and the incompetence. <laughs> yeah. It's it's almost like, okay, I'm I'm off at a blood drive helping a women's group early on in my marriage. I'm married to a man who has a doctorate. He's a lawyer. He's a software developer. He can build rockets to NASA. He's a genius, right? Oh, God. We've been married many years. Honey, where's the peanut butter? Yeah. When it's I'm staring at, at him drive. right there. <laughs> It's on the shelf in front of his face in direct eyeline sight. (laughs) That's exactly right. And I think that when, as women, we become such caretakers in every, and I found this in business as well. There's sort of this, I have a, I have, um, (laughs) I better be careful what I say. (laughs) (laughs) It's okay. (laughs) I have men that I work with on my team that I have hired and they, are I'm noticing shuttling more things right back at you, right back yeah. at you. No, yeah. no, 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 no. Mm-mm. It's, uh, you know, at the same time, that, so the level of frustration is maddening. At the same time, it is so interesting. It is a, an incredible skill that mm-hmm. they have. And it's almost like a superpower. <laughs> it is. Well, do you know how I learned about this? <laughs> Brilliant young millennial moms <laughs> have yeah. made TikToks about this and it became a trend. On, well, not a trend. It's a very small trend, but I found this corner of TikTok where they're talking about weaponized incompetence. I don't know who that, I should have bookmarked that mom, whoever she was, about her having, she just had a baby and she, her whole TikTok is about creating a foundation in her marriage with this newborn where it is, there's so much equality when it comes to the raising of the child and the household chores. And that weaponized incompetence is something that is inflicted upon new moms yep. uh, tremendously. It's where the patterns get set. Oof. And so I, I just, I watched her TikTok in awe. And the moment she came up with that phrase, I'm like, you are a genius. Genius. Yeah. And it's, it's funny too, because it's, it's the, well, you do it better than I do. And, you know, that mm-hmm. probably is true. Th- that's the problem too, right? It's like, yeah, we probably do do all of those things better, but it doesn't mean that then we, ha- because we do it better, that we have to do it all. Yes. And I think there's a passive aggressive element to it. She was talking about her husband and she gave him the chore of um, breakfast he was going to do. And so he and the toddler would be an all out war 
for breakfast, food everywhere, <laughs> just a bickering, like it was like a war. And that he would, st- she would tell him, okay, this is what I do. It doesn't happen when I give the baby breakfast. When I give the baby breakfast, everything goes smoothly and these are my routines. And the baby understands that the toddler understands the parameters and the routine is necessary in order for that to will go well. Yep. Well, he knows this. And there, it, she talked about how they're in a year and a half later and he's still engaging in war, even though he knows what works, he's choosing <laughs> not to. And that's the weaponized incompetence. He's there. It's like leaving the suitcase on the landing to see who's going to unpack it. Oh. You know, like he's going to yes. stick with that to break her. And that's his weaponized incompetence. Wow. And, and I do think that, you know, I don't think that it's intentionally, there is a little bit of intention behind it, but I don't think it's intentionally used against. It, it's just that, I don't know, It's some. It, there's something else because I don't think that anyone who is in a loving relationship would, would want to hurt the other partner. No, so I think something- that instance was rare. I think that was just an example of like in your face, passive aggressive weaponized incompetence. But I think the stuff that the weapon, that when that happens, that dynamic gets set up, I think a lot of times it's just, I almost take ownership over it sometimes where I'm like, oh, just let me do it. Yeah. Oh, I do the yeah. same thing. Yeah. Yeah, so it's like we're we're feeding the the monster. <laughs> exactly. Oh my gosh. Listen, Joyce, I have had just such a pleasure talking with you today and I can't wait to continue to watch your company grow and you go farther and uh, you know all over the country all over the world um i think what you're doing is phenomenal and i know you have some other products where can people go to purchase your products well our adult cold be gone and children's allergy be gone are carried at select cvs throughout the country we're at Harmon which is a Bed Bath & Beyond. A lot of people have Harmon. We're at Albertsons and United Supermarkets in the Southwest. And just our website, that's the best way to get it is the website because you will get it fast. You know it's coming directly from me. And so I encourage people to always use my website. I love it. Well, I hope that everybody who's listening goes to your website and purchases all the different products because I think you have have more than just um, the adult cold be gone and, and the allergy. Right. We have adult and kid cold be gone and adult and kid allergy be gone. And those are my four primary products. And we have some other things in the works, but with the supply chain breakdowns, I'm sticking with what I already have. And I love it. Yeah. You can find it at www.coldbegone.com and it's B with two E's like a bumblebee. I love it. And I can't wait to pass it out to all the women that are on the unbreakable retreat so that we can, as we're doing the Spartan race, that we can breathe easy. (laughs) And also it'll cut back on the risk of of, of somebody sharing a bug while you're there because nothing is a bummer when you've invested time and money and time away from your family to get sick. I love that so much. Yeah, I'm gonna have I'm gonna pass that out on the first day that we arrive. It's gonna be their their welcome gift. Um and I'm gonna have them put it up their nose. (laughs) Stick it up your nose. Stick Stick it up up the nose. (laughs) I want to thank you so much for having me on this because as a home mom entrepreneur, I, I think we need to start our own Facebook because this felt like therapy. This felt so good to talk about these things with somebody who gets it. Oh, I am so happy that you had such a good time and you'll have to come back on the show um, and we'll talk about all of the great results from all of your product and what you're doing next because I do see some uh, some t-shirts and <laughs> some bumper <laughs> stickers in your future. <laughs> Weaponizing confidence. Yes. <laughs> 
Joyce, this has been so lovely. uh, And thank you again so much. Thank you. You have a wonderful day. You too. The She Leads Podcast Network.